0: Welcome to the Word of Life podcast, a ministry of Word of Life Church, located in La Minnesota. From sermon audio to midweek content and much more, we hope you are blessed by what you hear. For more information or to donate, please visit wordoflifemn.com. Now, enjoy this week's episode. Good morning. Good morning. Man, it is hard to follow such talented uh, musicians up here. Would you give them a round of applause for serving today? Wow. Um, before we dive in this morning, would you... Uh, join me in a word of prayer. I don't know if you know, as you grab your worship bulletin, uh, as, as it came in this morning, but we have all sorts of uh, stuff that um, we pray for you as our uh, church family. If there's ever anything that you want on here, you can reach out to us, but um, I'd like to lift up uh, some of these requests of the Lord for us this morning. Heavenly Father, we are grateful are grateful. We're grateful for this opportunity to worship you. Or I think we are, God, but I know that however we're feeling right now, that you are still here. And that you are still God. God, we are so thankful for the way that you have loved Our church. Not just our church, but the church. But the way that you've loved, Word of Life, God, in hardship, heartbreak, in victory and defeat, that we know that you are God. God, we know that you are Lord over all sorts of situations, of medical situations, God, we, we probably could spend the rest of the morning praying for people, for family members and friends and loved ones who are going through trying times. I lift up to you Tom, Kurt and Jeff, Caleb, Nathan, Cora, Susan, Becky, Pat, AJ, and Mariah. God, you are, you are the giver of all good things, Jesus. You are the prince of peace. We ask that peace would be felt to those who are feeling fear right now. Lord, we pray for healing too. You are the great physician. God, would you supernaturally involve yourself in those situations? But on top of that, Lord, would you guide our hearts to know you and trust you more? God, we have families, families that have been a part of Word of Life, Lord, that are feeling heartbreak, Pray for the family of Ron Church today. Pray for Carol. For her kids and her grandkids as we mourn the loss of Ron. Pray for the family of Bob Tate too who just passed. Lord, I pray that you would bring peace to those in grief. God, we... We pray for other things, too. We praise your name. We praise your name in the way that you have worked in in different areas here at Word of Life. We We praise your name for the work that you have done in the lives of teenagers here at Word of Life. Through Wayfarer, through ministries like Inspiration Point last weekend, God, that even these gals who stood up here today praising your holy name, it's a testament to how good you are. So Lord, I ask you now, as your humble and probably unqualified servant, would you speak through me today? Would it be your words that we hear in our hearts, and our minds, may it be the fuel for our hands and feet as we go into the world holding high the name of Jesus. I pray this all in your holy and precious name. Amen. It's so good to be with you today. Um, You know, I say this every time, but I, I don't get to... Hang around uh, as often as I, as I once did. If we haven't met before, my name is uh, Pastor Nick. Uh, I get to serve here on staff at Word of Life, uh, primarily over at our new Prague campus. Before that, um, I got to be the uh, director of uh, youth ministries over here too. Uh, so again, to see you gals up here today uh, leading us in worship is, uh, uh, it feels good to see that. And uh, thank you for leading Word of Life in that way. Um, I don't need to, it's probably not breaking news to anyone as we uh, start this week. We have Thanksgiving coming up in a few days. This is like one of my favorite holidays. Um, I don't know if you're like, you probably already know, uh, like, man, I can't wait for like this to be on my plate on Thursday for me. I don't know about you, what your favorite thing is on your Thanksgiving plate, but like sweet potato casserole, like... I don't know, I get it once a year, but man, it is so good. Like, maybe you're traveling. If, we, if you are, we pray for travel mercies for you this week. Maybe you're hosting. We pray for hosting mercies for you this week. I think some, some of you probably need an extra prayer on that. Um, but whatever you're doing, um, uh, obviously, we want it to surround uh, this idea of Thanksgiving and our topic this morning is going to be just on that and some thoughts on, on what that looks like. So we're going to actually just dive right into our scripture uh, lesson for today. It comes out of the book of Matthew. Um, for a lot of us, it's going to be really a familiar text. But in Matthew chapter 6, starting at verse 9, it says this, pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come I'm going to ask you to imagine it, but you probably, it's not a real leap of imagination to think about how many Thanksgiving meals that you have uh, had in your life. Um, I think they probably all uh, share some similarities. Um, I can think of all of the ones that I've been to, either on my side of the family or on my wife's side of the family. There's, there's these core things that always happen. Um, but one of them for us is you know the the meal's about to be served and we're all kind of gathered around uh, my my wife's grandmother's kitchen kind of peninsula and you can see all the food laid out and you're getting kind of hungry. And then Grandpa Gary, he's the one who's going to lead the prayer on Thursday right before the meal, this prayer of Thanksgiving. I don't know who it is in your family. Maybe it's you, or maybe it's Grandpa or Dad or Mom or or whoever, but. That head of the table, they're going to lead this prayer of Thanksgiving. Maybe, you know, maybe the day has gone well. Maybe it has been like a hallmark movie of a Thanksgiving day. Or maybe it's gone hilariously wrong. You know, I think, um, so <laughs> this always kind of pops up for me around the holidays. Uh, it's not a Thanksgiving uh disaster. It was a holiday meal disaster. Um, my friend, Tim Matheson, uh, who actually was with us a couple of weeks ago, if you saw that great video um, kind of celebrating uh, uh, North American mission and what Word of Life has been up to lately, he was um, the director of that video. But this, po- uh, po- uh, this post always kind of pops up for me around the holidays of maybe not like the idyllic uh, hallmark Uh, sort of uh, meal. If you guys can put this picture up for me. And the caption gets a little cut off. I want to tell you what he writes over here. He says, somebody, dot, 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 decided it would be a good idea to turn the crock pot off five hours ago. And not confess it until I shout out loud at five fifteen. How did this get turned off? <laughs> and that look of just guilt. And uh, I, I reached out to Tim this week. I said, "Hey Tim, that photo is priceless. Um, can I use it in my message this week?" And it, of course, he said yes. He said, "Every Christmas, uh, every Christmas Eve, we'd laugh about this picture." And I said, "What did you end up doing?" And he goes, "Man." Who knew that Domino's was open so late on Christmas Eve? <laughs> so good. So no matter how your holiday going, you know, we, we can still vision this idea of this prayer of thanksgiving. Uh, Maybe that's not what you do in your family, but I I bet you you've done this at least once before. You have everyone kind of seated around the table, and before anyone can touch their food, we're going to go around the table and say what we're thankful for, right? Here's what I want us to think about, and maybe this will influence your Thanksgiving this week is I think what ends up happening in that situation is we become thankful for um, maybe things that have happened this year. You know, maybe after someone, right, the first person's going to say, like, oh, I'm thankful for my family. And they got the best answer right away, and, and then you're scrambling for what you're going to say. But we kind of, you know, we become kind of thankful for maybe some good fortune that has happened to us this year. These scenes kind of warm our hearts and shift our view to what we should be thankful for, but the lens on giving thanks can get a little out of focus. You see, these these kind of idyllic scenes can blur the act of thanksgiving because they focus on the wrong thing. Giving thanks Is not an acknowledgement of whatever good fortune or luck has come your way. It's more than that, right? It's actually, it's even more than expressing gratitude for what you have. You see, thanksgiving has a direction, thanksgiving is a recognition of the giver of the gifts. See, when we give a blanketed thanks to an unidentified giver, our perspective, our eyes just return back to the gifts themselves. When we focus on those gifts, we too easily forget who the giver is. And it can be a little bit of a a slippery slope. Actually, maybe the 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 kind of the darker side of forgetting who the giver is, is that it can trick us into thinking that we deserve these good gifts. That, you know, oh, I've been, I've been a good person this year. I earned these good gifts that have been given to me. And that slippery slope is, is really kind of slipping into idolatry, into into a uh, uh, self-perspective that is not aligned with what Scripture teaches us. You see, uh, in the small catechism, uh, Martin Luther explains it this way. He says, God certainly gives daily bread to everyone. Think about this for a moment. Actually, I think this is a thought that we don't totally enjoy thinking about but it says a lot about God. God certainly gives daily bread to everyone without our prayers even to evil people. But this passage in Matthew 6 when we pray this petition in the Lord's prayer that God would lead us to realize that he is the giver of good gifts that we receive our daily bread with thanksgiving. The Lord's prayer gets broken up into these parts, and and the, uh, theologians will, will say this word: these petitions, these statements uh, in the Lord's prayer. And the first three petitions of the Lord's prayer are all these statements about God that don't necessarily really involve our opinion or involve us. Uh, for example, it says there that His name is hallowed that God's name is holy he is holy his kingdom comes his will is done and he gives all daily bread without our prayers but unlike the first three petitions the fourth the focus of the fourth shifts Since God's provision of all that we need for this body and life already comes among us. You see, in the fourth petition, it it pushes us to recognize who the giver is. See, when we pray that Lord's Prayer, we pray for more than just a temporary gift of daily bread. We pray that we would realize that God, in his fatherly divine goodness and mercy, gives us the gifts without us having to ask the right way. God what a what a what a hopeless situation it would be that for the only way to, for God to bless you was for you to say it the right way. Or for you to have to do the right thing and then God's going to reward you. It's not how God operates. You see, only faith in Christ makes these prayers possible because when we recognize who the giver is and when we pray thanksgiving to who God is, the opposite kind of happens too, that we are praying against the fear and love and trust that we place in the gifts without recognizing the giver. Only faith in Christ makes these prayers of thanksgiving possible. Uh, There's a Lutheran scholar. um, He was a professor at Concordia University in Fort Wayne, Indiana. His name was John Pless, and he wrote a great article about the Lord's Prayer, and it says a few things. One of them is this. It is only through Christ that daily bread can be confessed as a gift. See, all of these things that we take for granted You know, just being thankful for another day of being upright and breathing. These things we take for granted. We see through the Lord's Prayer that that is a gift of daily bread, that that is a gift from God, and that it's something that we give thanks for that we did not earn, we did not deserve. You see, Jesus shows us the divine goodness and mercy of the Father. Plus goes on to say, it is by faith the disciples receive daily bread as a divine gift. And then the answer is to give the giver thanksgiving. Only faith in Christ recognizes that God is the true giver of the gifts. And in turn, we give him thanks. I want to maybe paint this a different way. As I was thinking about Thanksgiving and this mealtime with grandparents and all of this stuff, um, my mind came to this picture. How many of you have seen this picture before? How many of you, uh, I, I, should, I should ask this at the Newport stores, Service, how many of you have this in your house? Anyone? How many, of you, how many of like your parents or grandparents had it in their house? Yeah, right? Totally. Um, this uh, painting is based off of a photograph. Uh, and this piece of art is called Grace. And I don't know if you know this, Minnesota is the only state with a state official photograph. Kind of cool. And it's this. Yeah. Um, this photograph was taken by a man named Eric, uh, Eric Enstrom. Uh, Eric Enstrom was a Norwegian immigrant. Um, he came over on a ship from Norway, and he studied photography uh, in the Twin Cities, and then he went to kind of go, you know, make a name for himself and make some money for himself. And he went and opened up a f- uh, photo studio in 1907 in Bovie, Minnesota. Does anyone know where Bovee is? I had to look, I had to look it up. It's, if you don't know, it's northeast of Grand Rapids. And at this time, that was, you know, that was in the heyday or the kind of the start of, it was a hard scrabble mining town. Um, you should really read, the, Minnesota Public Radio did a great kind of history on this, this picture. And the way that they s- described Bovey at the time was it was a small town, it was a mining town, that had 20 saloons. Uh, kind of talking about how rough and tumble it was to be on Main Street in Bovey, Minnesota. That's where Eric Enstrom lands. And a little over a decade later, Heading into 1918, um, toward the end of, at that time would have been known as the Great War, World War I, there was a man named Charles Wilden. He was a peddler, and he rolled into Bovee that day to sell his lot of boot scrapers. And Eric saw this man and knew that he needed to take his photograph. So he... Convinced Charles to come over to his photo studio and he set him at a table and he put a few simple things on the table. A Bible, a delicate pair of glasses, a knife, a bowl of porridge, and the remains of a loaf of some bread. Now it's kind of interesting, this man Charles Wilden, you think of um, being the subject of arguably the most famous photograph that was taken in the state of Minnesota, that uh, we would really know a lot about him. And, and we kind of don't. We, they, they took the picture, and, and he went on his way, and, and that was that. Um, there's some kind of uh, neat history of this why this ended up in your grandma and grandpa's house is that Eric Enstrom, this really became his kind of claim to fame and he sold it to uh, Augsburg uh, Printing in Minneapolis. And this was a very popular wedding gift uh, in the 1920s uh, and 30s and, and beyond. And that's why it became this iconic photograph. But if we can take kind of a, an artistic view of this would, if you look at this with me, you see in this shot, Wilden's face is etched by world weariness. When I see this, that is a man who has lived and seen some life. He bows his head over folded hands in piety, yes, but it maybe even out of a little bit of exhaustion, Those items on the table gathered together aren't a lot. Not much to be thankful for. Um, I said that this uh, photograph was taken in 1918. Uh, Maybe that year kind of rings for you maybe a little differently than it did a few years ago. Um, If you remember, um, right as, as COVID was kind of starting and we're learning that there were kind of these history lessons of the last great kind of global pandemic, and that would have been in 1918 and the Spanish flu. 1918 was a, a particularly difficult global year because not only did you have the Spanish flu that uh, killed 50 million people, but it was also towards the end of World War I, as I said, who, that had taken the lives of another 16 million people. Life expectancy globally dropped in 1918. In 1918, uh, the uh, average life expectancy for a man was 36.6 years. For women, it was a little better. It's 42.2. But like, man, you hear that number, and you can feel that there would have been, I presume, the sense of like that veil between life and death being a little thinner than it normally is but what's interesting or what's true about matthew chapter 6 is that it was true then it was true in 1918 it's true today is that god is still the giver of our daily bread Luther writes again in the small catechism, the daily bread is thought of as everything needed for this life. That's what God gives us. And I think this photo really sums that up. Its simplicity stands in sharp contrast with the extravagance of our expectations in today's age. But what do we really need? All we need is a loaf of bread, a bowl of broth. What we need is a relationship with God, a God who hears us and gives us that time to pray those prayers to Him. All we really need is to recognize the sufficiency of God's provision To know what enough is 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 to trust that when nations are in uproar because of war and kingdoms teeter because of disease, that we might yet be still and know that God is God. This picture, grace, allows us to imagine what those prayers that Wilden might have been praying at that moment. Now, I'm trying to look. At, is Nils here? I don't want to pick on it. I don't know if Nils is here today. Okay. Okay, good. Nils isn't here. This is why. Okay. <laughs> this is why. No, no. This is why. Is, I told you Eric Enstrom. Was a, he was a Norwegian immigrant. He came over from a ship in Norway and settled here in Minnesota. And there was this um, exchange in Norwegian. I'm of Norwegian descent. I don't speak a lick of it. Um, and so I didn't want Nils to be concerned about my pronunciation. <laughs> but my understanding is that in Norwegian, when food is served and that plate is handed to you, it would come with the words, Var or here you go. And when you receive the plate, your reply would be, "Tak famaten. Which is thanks for the food. And it's this verbal exchange of here's the gift and thank, like that receiving, that reciprocation of gratitude. Uh, I learned this week um, how many of you, actually, you don't have to raise your hand because I don't want to, I don't want you to feel weird about this. But I would imagine a lot of us uh, still do it today, or maybe you grew up with before you eat dinner, you're sitting down and you pray a prayer, a blessing for the meal right? Maybe it's something that you pray every time. It's the same words, or maybe someone, maybe it's different. But right, we, we pray, and then we eat. I learned this this week that in Luther uh, uh, writing on prayer, that he actually recommended two prayers. He, rec- he recommended one before the meal. Lord God, Heavenly Father, bless us, and these are your gifts, which we receive from your bountiful goodness through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. They would sit down and eat. But then when the meal was done and the plates were cleared, Luther suggested a prayer of thanksgiving at the end of a meal. I've never done this. I Maybe do this on Thursday. I think you guys would love this. And this is what he suggested. We give thanks to you, Lord God, our Father, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, for all your benefits, you who live and reign forever, Amen. See, Luther's table prayers guide us in rightly using God's name. The way that we grasp God in not only prayer and praise and petition and, and, and requests and all of those things, but also in thanksgiving. So I don't know about you today. I don't know what your situation is. Maybe, maybe you live in a mansion. <laughs> maybe you live in a shack. Maybe you dine on fine dining or it looks more like this. Splendor or simplicity, wherever you are at, God's gifts render us thankful. Because behind all of them, behind all of the gifts, stands Jesus Christ. The one whose gifts of life and salvation and the forgiveness of sins opens our eyes to see God present, even when the veil between life and death feels particularly thin. I want to end with these words, and I know I've quoted, uh, been a little Luther-heavy today, but in his famous hymn, uh, A Mighty Fortress is Our God, you find these words. Were they to take our house, goods, honor, child or spouse, Though life be wrenched away, they cannot win the day. The kingdom's ours forever. Truly my thanks, and I imagine yours as well, my thanks comes more fully when the circumstances of my life turn my eyes away from self-sufficiency and towards seeing that Christ's grace is sufficient indeed, that my grateful heart can sing of the Lord's open hand that gives me my daily bread, that gives us his word, and gives us grace, sheer grace. How can we not bow our heads, fold our hands, and pray after that? I suggest we do that right now. God, you are not necessarily impressed by flowery words or extravagant prayers, so we offer a simple one. Thank you. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for who you aren't, that you're not vindictive, Or frustrated with us. Or wishing that we'd just get it together. (laughs) But God, who you are is steadfast and true and faithful and loving, forgiving. Thank you that you are good. That you are the giver of all good things. God, would you make that especially Relevant to us, not only this day, but this week. God, we lift up these prayers of thanksgiving to you, the great giver, the giver of salvation, the giver of grace, and the giver of faith. I pray this all in Jesus' holy name. Amen.